RexMuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mode enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, here on RxMuscle.com. Tonight, we're going to discuss the top 10 toxins, the top 10 toxic things that you're exposed to. And it probably isn't what you think of. As we all know, uh, especially this audience here, a lot of times what the public perceives as being a threat or perceives as being toxic and what the science really shows are often quite different. You know, there's definitely hype and um, I guess media sensationalizing a lot of things, but they may not really be issues. But what really is going on, I'm going to talk to you tonight about my conversation with a doctor in toxicology who's writing a book on um, the real issues of, of toxicity out there. Uh, we live in a toxic world without a doubt, but what are the real threats and what aren't the real threats? That's going to be tonight on Quantum Physiques. I just wanted to uh, catch up on a few things here, make a few announcements. Number one, uh, the few people that responded to the request for a log on my new testosterone boosting product, the one with deaspartic acid, uh, the product has gone out to you guys. So definitely keep in touch and keep me up to date on your progress. If anybody out there has stress and anxiety, of course, the holiday season, um, believe it or not, alcohol consumption goes up, I think, over 31% during the holidays. Number one, of course, because of increased parties, people are out there celebrating more, yes, without a doubt. But number two because of increased stress. I mean, who hasn't felt some degree of social anxiety or social stress at a party? You feel kind of uncomfortable. People are watching you. Maybe it's your boss and you kind of had an argument with them or maybe you don't really feel comfortable talking to some people you don't know. So people do tend to drink alcohol when they're stressed out or, or uncomfortable in a sense. And of course, I do offer a more natural solution for stress and anxiety with my Gabitrol, which I will be more than happy to give people free samples of if you just go to either the Quantum Physiques page on Facebook and like us. You can always reach me there. Or you can always get me on the website at www.rxstress.com. Now, a big thing that we've always been proponents of here on Quantum Physiques is meditation, of course. That really is, I think, the most important thing that anybody could really strive to do. Uh, as we discussed on a few uh, episodes back when I was criticizing or critiquing Dave Palumbo's contemplation, which is what driving in a car really is, meditation is something quite different. And if you ever tried it yourself, you know just how challenging it can be. But get this, a new study came out and I thought this was kind of interesting that sex and meditation actually light up the brain in very similar ways. This is published in Science, the research journal Science, and it says the neurobiology of bliss, sacred and profane, sex in the brain and what it reveals about the neuroscience of deep pleasure. Turns out that people who meditate um, achieve something similar to what people who have intense sex have, actually. Uh, of course, everyone knows the idea of an orgasm. I mean, what's the one word besides ah that people announce when they're actually in the midst of an orgasm? It's, oh, God. So obviously, there's some kind of connection. You know, language is a very primitive way of communicating. I mean, really, again, once I said, you know, we really are intellectual cockroaches, and language is the best we have, the best, I guess, tools we have to communicate, but it really is limited. But yet, even with language, you can see the fact that the 
people mention the word God when they're having an orgasm because there is this sense of oneness that you achieve the sense of unity of the of the polar opposites, right? Male and female, masculine and feminine, positive and negative. These two polarities come together during sex and there is a sense of oneness that is achieved. And of course, in meditation as well, that same type of, of feeling or same type of awareness can be achieved. And um, interesting enough too also that um, the right hemisphere is the part of our brain that actually experiences the sexual orgasm or the sexual aspect of, of human nature. And I find that very interesting because the right hemisphere, of course, people who are left-handed are right hemisphere dominant. So anybody out there who's left-handed, love to have you guys uh, chime in on on the uh, the forum thread that Jeff, the producer, my amazing background guy who will be back next week actually uh, he's going to post a thread up there on the on the uh, forums please anybody out there who's left-handed by all means contribute uh, because there is something interesting there to being left-handed we tend to die younger than right-handed people but maybe we tend to experience uh, sex better than our our right-handed counterparts as well Uh, another interesting thing about meditation is that in 2009, an Emory University study showed that under stress, heavy meditators had a clear reduction in interleukin-6 versus others. Now, interleukin-6, as everybody out there probably knows, is an inflammatory cytokine. And the fact that meditation was shown to shift people's reactions of these pro-inflammatory compounds, this is after even just a six-week program. Um, It's pretty powerful, actually. Uh, Something else here now, too, the vagus nerve, it's a a high-function tonality associated with better regulation of sugar and inflammation and lowered risk of coronary heart disease and diabetes. High vagal function, high vagus nerve function was also better at regulating emotions, attention, and behavior. And people that meditated tended to have higher vagus nerve function. So there's another idea of all the myriad benefits you get out of just trying to sit and focus on your breath for just 10 or 20 minutes a day. I mean, something really simple as that. And believe it or not, even if you think you're not doing it right, you are doing it right because your brain is literally rewiring itself just by attempting to do that because you're actually shutting the brain's normal programs down. And in doing that, even though you think you're failing, you're actually succeeding. So the worst thing you could do in meditating is to think you're failing because you're not. You know, um, what is it? Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. If you just get off your ass and try, I'm telling you, you're halfway there to success. And again, as Jeff and I have had on numerous conversations here about all the movies we're both big fans of from uh, Hero, um, The One, Dance of the Wolves, The Matrix, you name it, on and on. One of the key elements these these producers have been trying to hit upon is this sense of transcending human nature, of transcending this matrix. And of course, the one thing that they don't want to tell you about, the the dark secret, I guess, is that, um, because it's kind of boring, it doesn't sell movies, is that meditation, it really is the only way. The only way out of this world or out of your problems is to go inside yourself. And uh, by all means, I can't encourage you enough to, um, to practice that. So what else here that I want to announce? Um, the top 10 toxins. I guess we can get into that. That's kind of an interesting thing here now. Now, again, this is based on my conversations with a toxicologist who has researched this stuff. Um, There is, I guess, quite a bit of um, science behind both of our backgrounds. But again, I haven't actually done all the required research to, to back all this up, but it is a pretty interesting conversation. And some of it is pretty shocking even actually, I think too. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start with the top 10 toxins here on Quantum Physiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. 
Come back right after this break. Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com, the newest and hottest supplement super site. We carry all the major brands, including Species, MHP, BPI, BSN, Optimal Nutrition, Gasparri, and many more. Low on cash? No problem. ExtremeFitNutrition.com offers competitive prices that our competitors can't beat. Now you can supplement your diet without having to supplement your bank account. Here's some of our specials. Buy $100 worth of Species products or metabolic nutrition and get a free t-shirt and bag. Buy two $200 worth of BSN products and receive a BSN t-shirt and shaker bottle. Check out ExtremeFitNutrition.com for more great deals. Visit us at the 2011 Olympia Expo. Stop by booth number 322 and meet IFBB pros Bethany Wagner, Guy Sister Nino, Tiana Gonzalez, and Gina Trociano. Remember, there's only one extreme. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com now. Here is a powerful new line of nutraceutical products that prepare, optimize, and repair your body to get the best results before, during, and after your workout. Gear utilizes the latest advances in food science and the purest form of raw ingredients to ensure that you are getting the safest and most effective physical results possible. If you're looking to take your physical performance to the next level, Gear is the answer to obtain and sustain those results. It's time to experience the difference with Gear. This is IFBB Pro Michael Libertori from Team Gear. Come see me in the full line of gear products at our official launch taking place at the MPC Nationals in South Beach, Miami, November 18th, 2011. See you there. Are you tired all day, not making the gains you like? Are you taking a long time to recuperate from your workouts? Then you may be suffering from sleep apnea and not even know it. Sleep apnea affects over 68% of athletes and it may be interfering with your performance. WinningEdgeSleep.com was developed by IFBB pro athlete Dr. Derling Castro to help athletes find out if they have this problem and how to fix it. WinningEdgeSleep.com because sleep is the most anabolic agent there is. WinningEdgeSleep.com. Visit them today. Hydrolyze Ultra, the leader in cellular hydration water. Hydrolyze Ultra water has been designed by shrinking and reshaping molecules to allow a faster and more sustained delivery into your cells. Our cellular water has gone through a magnetism and laser treatment process, along with adding electrolytes to our special ingredients. This allows all nutrients to be absorbed at a maximum cellular state. By using Hydrolyze Ultra, all nutrients, supplements, and carbohydrates you consume will be absorbed at a greater rate. Lactic acid gets flushed faster, and you'll feel full hydrated. Get the advantage that top athletes have achieved. Try Hydrolyze Ultra today. Visit HydrolyzeUltra.com That's HydrolyzeUltra.com P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at HighProteinBread.com. P28 is also now available at Bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. HighProteinBread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. 
rxmuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise, up to the minute news, and more. Visit the rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows, including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, Rx Muscle Place. Visit rxmuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. We are discussing the top 10 toxins that I um, and my associate, who's got a doctorate in toxicology, discussed uh, over a conversation recently, actually. And we're going to get into this now. So number 10 on the list is smoking. Of course, everybody knows, it's kind of obvious that smoking is not very healthy. Um, A lot of science, a lot of lawsuits over the years with smoking. Um, You know, one thing I've seen, even when Dave and I were training together back in the gym like 20 years ago, is how many bodybuilders actually, I mean, smoke. I mean, it's just like, you know, it just made me realize how much bodybuilding wasn't really about being healthy. Now, of course, things have changed a lot and and a large part of this listening audience here are very health conscious. I mean, the, the emails I get and the Facebook messages I get, I really appreciate that. For example, this one guy in Australia, I forgot his name, 18 years old, and he's asking me to have a show on, um, who's that guy from Greece, Socrates and Aristotle. He's like, hey, you're really cool. You're into Lao Tzu and the Buddha. Why don't you do some stuff on Socrates and uh, Aristotle? So it's amazing that people out there that are into lifting and being an athletic and stuff, even at a young age of 18, because when I was 18, I was dumb as a doorknob, man. I had no clue who those guys even were. So I really salute you know, you kids out there that are so young and are not tuning into Jersey Shore, but instead, of course, are tuning into things like you know the, these deep philosophers that really, uh, I think, are trying to point you in a direction that can just change your life if you really get into it. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, these kind of people are not smoking, but there still are a lot of guys out there and people in the gym that do smoke because, of course, life is stressful. Again, it all comes back to the fact that smoking is, in a sense, a coping mechanism, right? It does help nicotine. Actually, they have nicotine gum out there. I think in, a, in Japan, especially nicotine gum is really popular. And the reason why is that nicotine itself or nicotinic acid may actually be one of those nootropics. It may be a smart nutrient um, that when used in, you know, and I guess in, in safe or tolerable amounts can actually probably help brain function. But the method of delivery by smoking is, is not something that's very healthy, of course, for the um, all kinds of reasons. Number one, I guess, is lung cancer, of course. So that's number 10. Number nine, of course, would be the compatriot to smoking, which is alcohol consumption. As we just mentioned before, uh, alcohol, of course, wreaks havoc on the liver, which, uh, as we all know, is the body's main detoxification organ. Uh, It's also toxic to the brain as well. Um, There are some, I guess, controversial studies. I just happened to come across one recently that said moderate drinking. um, I think this is based on the... um, the Framingham or the, or the Brigham Young study, I can't remember, there was a large population of women who followed them and it said for women at least, um, you know, moderate drinking, which is defined as like one drink per day, was actually seemed deemed to be healthy. And they're not, again, I guess alcohol is toxic, just so you know. It's kind of like coffee. People saying coffee has antioxidants, but it's for a subset of the population that are so unhealthy that things like alcohol could be healthy and coffee, in a sense, could give them antioxidants. So you really have to 
classify or re- or understand the demographic of the people in the study before you start applying it to yourself. Because, you know, people like this listening audience, myself, you know, Dr. Fred Bishi, Dave, of course, uh, Dana Hauser, we're talking like, you know, the, um, the long tail of the bell curve here as far as health conscious, right? I mean, we get this, this crowd here making, uh, you know, veggie smoothies and stuff with, um, you know, five grams of curcumin in them. It just doesn't compare. So, you know, and of course, for us, the compensatory benefits of all the things we do would make alcohol consumption, I think, actually less, less damaging to our bodies. But um, that study on women was showing that alcohol was a benefit. And they're not really sure why, but probably the main reason why, again, is for number two, two reasons. Number one, alcohol reduces stress. Again, alcohol elevates GABA, and GABA is the main neuroinhibitory neurotransmitter in your brain. makes you feel good. It's the I love chemical, right? When you have a few drinks, you feel like you want to like just kind of get your love on. That's what alcohol does. So it does help to reduce social inhibitions and stress, but also people that drink tend to do so in a social setting. And without a doubt, you know, social relationships, having strong bonds, social bonds, we are a social animal, that does help mediate stress again. So that's probably the reason why these studies are showing that alcohol, even though it is a, a toxin, can actually be healthy when done in moderation. I think, of course, if you can, if you can focus on getting those benefits without the alcohol, you're better off. Um, but if you have to uh, enjoy alcohol, I guess moderation would be the key, of course. And that is our number nine toxin. So here we are to number eight. We have environmental toxins, and we're speaking specifically about air pollution. I guess the reason is that um, you know when you breathe things in, it's a very direct and not as filtered route of of exposure for the body. And that's why smoking again is so toxic. That's why off-gassing from hot water in a shower, you know, people that have, um, I guess, dirty water. We had a, a, a whole session on water, what was it, last week, I believe, where we talked about how bad water is. If you have high amounts of, you know, chlorine, as an example, or some other toxins, the, the what was it, rocket fuel, I think it was called, that we had it in, um, in, hot, in, in water, and you have that in hot water coming out, the steam, that's a direct exposure into your body than on your skin, or perhaps even orally, because orally has to go through your liver, and there's more chance of the uh, cytochrome P450 enzymes, uh, you know, processing those toxins out. But uh, air pollution definitely is one you got to be careful about. And that brings us to number seven, which would be environmental toxins in general. Specifically, here we're speaking about food, plastics, and water. And again, we had a show last week on all the toxins in water. Um, you know, toxins in food, that's one reason why you'd want to choose organic, of course, because you do, even though people have controversy about organic, and I understand that, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying organic is necessarily, I mean, organic from Mexico is kind of a, um, you know, it's kind of an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp. Uh, how organic can something be from Mexico, really? I just, I wouldn't trust it myself. But if it's grown in this country, it's often, uh, actually it is required, I think, for third-party independent verification of organic practices. So the food probably is going to be less toxic. I remember seeing studies uh, years ago that nutrients in soil can compete with various um, you know, pesticides and herbicides for absorption so that magnesium could be replaced in produce, for example. And again, kale and uh, I think collard greens are very high sources of magnesium typically. But if they're being sprayed, there is the, uh, an increased likelihood that you know, they can compete or hinder absorption of nutrients. Of course, we have a massive topsoil 
issue here as well because we have erosion of topsoil. We've lost God knows how many feet of topsoil. This is, you know, you can't just throw money at, at, at farming and build more nutritious foods because topsoil is, I guess, a part of an environmental process of an ecosystem that requires years. I mean, you guys ever take a walk out in the woods, which again, I encourage everybody to do, and you look at how the leaves fall down. There's no one out there in the woods raking those leaves. Those things are decomposing, breaking down, and they are actually developing uh, new topsoil. So what you have here at the very uppermost level is the recycling of all these key nutrients. You know, the trees are dropping the leaves, they're decomposing, they're re-releasing nutrients back into the soil. They're actually forming a matrix of topsoil themselves. Of course, you have, you know, a whole variety of bacteria and I guess fungi in the topsoil, helping to digest them. And they're also releasing their own nutrients as well, similar to lead to how you have an ecosystem inside your body. And, you know, it's the GI integrity of your of your you know ecosystem, the bacterial integrity that determines to a large extent how healthy you are. I mean, in all kinds of ways, it's pretty amazing how again it's all about relationships. It's all about you know cultivating healthy ecosystem, healthy relationships, both in the micro and the macro. And so um, that's why I think organic food probably is a better choice when you can afford it. Now, in plastics, of course, everybody knows about the dangers there. Um, of particular note to athletes, uh, especially men, would be the bisphenol A controversy. This is kind of shocking stuff. Now, get this. I just came across some stuff recently that was even more alarming. Uh, where is this now? What was I saying here? First of all, you have this study in 2009 on Chinese workers um, in BPA factories, they found the workers that were, were four times more likely to report erectile dysfunction, reduced sexual desire, and overall dissatisfaction with their sex life than workers that had no heightened BPA exposure. BPA workers were also seven times more likely to have ejaculation difficulties. They were also more likely to report reduced sexual function within one year of beginning employment at the factory. And the higher the level of exposure, the more likely they were like the more likely they were to have sexual difficulties. So we have some pretty compelling evidence here that bisphenol A, which is a xenobiotic or a xenoestrogen, um, actually does affect testosterone levels in men and affects the quality of, uh, of masculine uh, sexual characteristics. So this is pretty alarming. And recently, even more alarming than that is the fact that a study came out recently showing that people who ate... Um, canned soup every day for five days only had BPA levels of 20.8 micrograms per liter of urine, whereas people who ate fresh soup had level, levels of 1.1 micrograms. We're looking at like a 20 time difference, 20 times more levels of BPA just after five days of eating canned soup than the control population. And, um, you know, of course, BPA is found mostly in canned foods. And uh, that's pretty shocking, actually. Now, what else? When researchers looked at the BPA levels in average participants who ate canned soup compared to fresh soup, they found, yeah, a 1,221% jump. I mean, this is pretty shocking, again, that I think most of us aren't even aware of how much BPA we have in our systems. And, um, you know, there definitely is this. Uh, Dr. Marjili, who I'm a big fan of, again, has said that men are turning into women and women turning into men. And I think he's definitely on the money there. We have, um, you know, on all different levels, women are the majority of the workforce now are women. The majority of, of people getting laid off from jobs are men. So there's any emasculation going on there. 
Of course, we have more men being incarcerated than ever before, but also we have on a biochemical level here, we have these female hormones that are really just ubiquitous in the environment that are wreaking havoc on, on men's uh, endocrine function. So, you know, how to get that out? I'm not really sure because I believe BPA is a fat-soluble hormone, and so it, it probably gets recycled, um, it probably stored in body fat. It may get dumped, I guess, or become solubilized in bile. But then the problem, of course, is that most of the bile gets reabsorbed by the large intestine, the colon, and it probably is hard to get that BPA uh, excreted out of the body. Now, I'm going to try to ask our resident doctor, Dana Hauser, to comment on that. Um, I think there are some agents that may help. I believe um, DIM, diindolmethyl. I think it's called. I forgot, but DIM, which is found in cruciferous vegetables, uh, I guess does help to uh, promote healthy estrogen metabolism. Um, I'm not sure exactly how good I3C is. It seems like DIM is um, better than I3C, indole-3-carbonyl. I would go with that. I guess zinc, maybe ZMA, zinc, uh, magnesium, aspartate or something. It's supposed to be pretty good too, I guess, but uh, I'm not exactly sure how much that does with estrogen uh, regulation and excretion. But definitely this is something to be concerned about for guys in particular. You may want to start avoiding um, canned products. I know a lot of guys probably eat tuna fish as well out of a can and I'm not really sure how much uh, BPA is in those cans, but again, it is a very commonly added substance to canned foods. You may want to watch out for that. So that is number seven, I believe. And number six would be with something, again, we've hit upon many times in this show, another type of toxin. Um, I think it may even be higher on the list, but you know, we're going to leave it here at number six, is toxic emotions. Toxic emotions are really just a, an unforeseen, uh, I guess, driver in most of our lives. They really are what motivate us or inspire us to do all kinds of crazy negative things like getting angry. I mean, you know, getting angry in traffic, something as simple and stupid as traffic. I mean, end of the day, you look back and you're like, you know, WTF was I thinking getting angry in a traffic jam? I mean, what did it, what, what does it serve us, right? Um, you know, getting too angry about things not getting done. I mean, Yes, the world is stupid. And, you know, if everyone was like you, I'm sure the world would be perfect. But of course, the bottom line is, is that your anger is still your anger and it's still your problem. And uh, it doesn't really change anything at the end of the day by getting angry or frustrated. You know, um, you know, of course, prescriptions written for uh, pain medication uh, in the U.S. than anywhere, than the whole world combined, actually. Um, Prozac Nation. I mean, this whole nation is, is in a depression, both economically and in the amount of depressant medications that are being written, too. People are not coping. They're not dealing with their toxic emotions. They're running away, right? I mean, how many of us run to the gym because we don't want to deal with our shit? pardon my French. And so we turn to all kinds of exogenous drugs, whether it be, you know, nicotine, alcohol, caffeine. I mean, we're, you know, we're tired, we're feeling down, we're feeling depressed or whatever. Uh, we're working too hard because we're, we're afraid of not having enough. And so of course then we're tired the next day. And so we got to amp up the system with exogenous agents, like too much caffeine, which also just so you know, is uh, estrogenic. I think over 500 or 750 milligrams of caffeine daily, you start getting some mild estrogenic activity. So maybe something to be concerned about. So toxic emotion is definitely something, again, meditation is one way to start becoming aware um, and, and releasing their hold over us. Um, but that would definitely be something that is a toxin that people need to start looking at. So that was the 
last five of the top 10 toxins. And now we're going to get into the remaining top five. Now, I'm sure a lot of you guys and girls out there in quantum physique land can probably guess because, uh, you know, a lot of us are into this kind of stuff and uh, you kind of tuned in to what's going on. But, um, you know, again, some of the things here, and I mean, for example, one of the ones that are, are controversial, I guess. Um, I mean, one thing I see a lot is like, you know, silly things like bed bugs. I mean, there's this big craze about bed bugs and how bad they are or whatever, as if there's some kind of a threat to people, um, you know, and that scares people, of course, but there really is no, no, no threat there as far as I know. I mean, if anyone has any information on bed bugs being dangerous, please, by all means, share it on the, on the thread. Um, you know, cell phones too. I mean, without a doubt, I am a big believer in uh, not having cell phones next to your head for long periods of time. But the evidence is, the controversy is still kind of like, it's still out there. There's still some controversy as to whether, you know, how bad it really is actually, you know. But we're going to get into what we feel are the top five toxins that people are exposed to. Now, I think number six, toxic emotions really could be higher on the list, but we're going to leave it at number six for now um, because we're going to get into the top five here. Number five on the list is calories, toxic calories. Now, calories, just so you know, are actually not just units of energy. They're also units of information, actually more so. Really, the critical issue here with with calories is that they are really more units of information. They tell your cells, they tell your body what to do. Yes, they provide energy, but um, you know, a calorie of high fructose corn syrup is far more toxic than a calorie of, say, ginger curcumin juice, right? As we all know, I mean, you're making one of those smoothies and you're putting in, you know, raw ginger and five a teaspoon of curcumin, and uh, you got celery and kale in there with coconut milk and some raw eggs. You know, a calorie of that, as an example, is is far more information dense. There are so many terpenes and flavonoids and uh, you name it, different types of uh, of compounds that, you know, really communicate to your cells and tell them things that are positive and life affirming than a calorie, say, of high fructose corn syrup that may tell some, you know, your body nothing. But again, given the fact that calories and caloric consumption is toxic, you want to have good information coming in, in a sense, right? Information that helps to mediate this. Now, again, this is mediating the oxidative stress because, you know, the reason how, one of the main reasons how calories can be toxic is just that, you know, eating food elevates oxidative stress in the body, elevates free radical damage. And so having nutrient-dense calories, information-dense calories actually does help to stave off that process. Um, that's really a critical thing there to be aware of. Now, number four on the list is, and this is a big one for us here, is exercise or lack thereof. We live in sedentary nation. I mean, people are more obese and fat today in this country than ever. And one of the biggest reasons is because they're not moving enough. Now, of course, that's not a problem for our listening audience. We got you know, a lot of hardcore people here, but um, lack of exercise, without a doubt, is extremely toxic. You have a system in your body called the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is how your body, in a sense, excretes uh, waste or cellular debris or cellular toxins, in a sense. And the lymphatic system, unlike your circulatory system that is pumped by the heart, the lymphatic system is actually pumped by your muscles. So, you know, this is amazing, right? How lifting weights, especially, I think, is great for detoxing because you are literally squeezing your lymphatic system and enabling it to dump all that junk 
um, out of the body, whether it goes into the uh, large intestine or through the skin or other, I guess, you know, downstream ways of excretion. I'm not really sure exactly, but definitely the lymphatic system is activated by exercise. Massage also can be detoxificating, detoxifying because of the fact that um, you are squeezing or, or manipulating the lymphatic system and helping to drain out all that stuff. You know, I was just training the other day in the gym and I happened to see a study post up on one of those, um, they have these kind of like movable banner ads up there on the walls. And it was like some kind of study showed that people who exercise perceived as more successful and, um, and actually were more successful than a control group. And the reason why, of course, is that people who exercise are perceived of, which I think is true, as being more disciplined. They have more self-discipline than people who don't work out. And uh, I happen to think that most people that do work out, people that I've met by and large, except for, you know, again, that sub element of like, say, bodybuilders and fitness freaks that are into like smoking and doing drugs and stuff and are kind of spinning off in their own little tangent of, uh, of self-destruction. But most of us really uh, get a lot of positive and really are into it for very many positive reasons. And that's why I think even, you know, as bad as they may be, um, things like, you know, getting breast implants or plastic surgery, which is predominantly what female athletes and bodybuilders do, or using some pro-hormones uh, you know, that were legal on the market a couple of months ago, like Epistain and Haladrol and Superdrol or whatever, or even, even things like testosterone, anabolics, you know, as, as risky as they may be, these things tend to be used in a crowd as Rick Collins, a friend of mine who actually is going to be on the show in a few weeks would say, you know, for people that are using it to better themselves, you know, they, they really want to actually, in a sense, you know, build more confidence and build more, I guess, sense of, of self so they can get out and conquer the world. And so in a sense, in, in this culture we live in, you know, there really are more of a positive co- coping mechanism than, say, alcohol and drugs that really are designed for people to more to kind of tune out and escape from the world, you know? So a little bit of a justification there for everybody out there in plastic surgery land and, uh, you know, the, the healthy use of anabolics. So I definitely think that exercise does help a lot. I have some notes here somewhere here on exercise too. This is pretty interesting. Exercise and stress. This is from the book called Spark by John Ratty. He says, exercise is a natural thing to do when the fight or flight response kicks in. So exercise is actually life-saving. Now, of course, that makes sense because in our Paleolithic um, ancestral time, we did basically, right? We would often, you know, the fight or flight mechanism kicked in and we were either running or we're fighting. So we were actually exercising a lot, if you think about that. Um, You know, oftentimes we'd forage or hunt for food uh, and burn a lot of calories and actually come back with not that much. So we'd have a net calorie deficit for the day and our bodies evolved to have these survival mechanisms that were designed more for those types of conditions. Now, of course, today we have the exact opposite, which is really why calories are so toxic and why lack of exercise is so toxic because you have a body, a robotic biological body here that was designed to exercise more and eat less And today we have a sedentary lifestyle where people really don't have to exercise at all and they have far more access to, you know, superfluous low quality calories. So it's a recipe for disaster. And honestly, part of the reason why we have such an economic burden, healthcare is a a, a total failure. Um, More people are fat and depressed than ever before is because of their lack of exercise. You know, this is really something that... um, you know, we should take arms about it. I'm, I'm talking like, you know, I know we had Gary Null on here, but we're on the first show here on Quantum Physiques and I asked him about marching on Washington. But when you really look at the, at the scope of things, 
I mean, I think our politicians, because they're a bunch of fat ass, lazy, caloric eating, you know, mofos, have no clue about how critical of an issue this is. I mean, we could solve so much of the nation's problems by making it a law, compensatory exercise. I mean, kids are forced to exercise because, you know, again, maybe it doesn't come natural. People want to be lazy. Lions spend 23 hours a day sleeping or being lazy and hunting one hour. And the reason is, again, laziness is natural. I'm not saying it's wrong, but the reason why is because life is tough, you know, and for lions especially, they need to conserve energy because they don't have the same cushion that we have in human society here. So what they typically do is, you know, they'll eat and they'll rest as much as they can until starvation, till hunger forces them off their ass and back out into the world again to hunt again. So, you know, it's pretty amazing how, you know, we're all naturally inclined to be lazy. I understand that. But, um, you know, I think this listening audience in particular, if there's anything you want to do to get out there and do something, you know, to help, I guess, the cause of, of doing something greater than, than just your own selfish needs, really, you spread the word, spread the gospel of exercise, man. Honestly, it really is a phenomenal thing when you start looking at this. Um, in this book, Spark, John writes about how modern stress is more toxic, which we all kind of know, of course. There's less real threats that our body can deal with, but there's more bad news or more personal drama, more mental stress, mental threats. And therefore, we don't abate these stress chemicals that get released. Now, of course, that's what happens, right? You're stuck in traffic. The fight or flight mechanism kicks in. And you know what? You can't do shit. You're stuck in your car, right? You're at your desk. Your boss comes over. He tells you, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I haven't paid you in a couple weeks. I'm not going to pay you again this week. And you know what? You can't hit him because you're going to get arrested or you're going to get sued or you're going to get fired. Um, But also, you got to sit there and take it. And so you're in front of a computer screen. And probably what you end up doing is comfort food, right? Junk food, comfort food. Again, toxic calories to make yourself feel better because comfort food elevates serotonin. Yes, when you eat junk food, you elevate serotonin and it kind of helps to make you feel better. But again, it's a vicious cycle, a vicious downward cycle. So we realize here that, um, you know, exercise really is an important thing here. Um, get this as far as addictions, exercise builds synaptic detours around the well-worn connections, automatically looking for the next fix. So what that means basically is that um, exercise helps to rewire the brain, um, which kind of helps us to kind of get over our own self-limiting programs. Now, I think everybody here knows that, you know, when you exercise, you definitely get some kind of a a rush or some kind of a positive boost. And you are able to kind of step up and step into the game of life a little bit better. But, you know, this is happening in your brain Literally, your brain is, there's this concept called neuroplasticity and your brain literally rewires itself based on the chemical milieu that you're actually, you know, this, this soup of chemicals that your brain is immersed in. So exercise really does help to increase, um, our ability to overcome bad habits. And so with this specifically here, a study in London in 2004 showed that even as little as 10 minutes of exercise could actually blunt um, cravings for alcohol in uh, alcoholics. So that's pretty powerful stuff there. And that shows, again, why exercise is so critical and why, um, you know, we all know that, of course, but we have a lot of people around us, I'm sure, friends and family that are suffering and are not realizing the importance of exercise. Well, I'm telling you right now, go and tell them that quantum physics has shown lack of exercise is one of the top five toxins. And I think we just rated it as number four. So, On to number three, 
of this. Now we're down to the top three, I guess. I wish we had a drum roll here. But the number third, number three toxin is sleep or lack of sleep. Now you can actually go longer without food and water than you can without sleep. That's how sleep is even more important than food and water for your internal. So it probably, you know, more than diet and exercise, good sleep is probably the most important thing uh, as far as maintaining your health and stuff because really it's, again, and this one here could probably be uh, be higher up as well. Um, a few quick facts about sleep. Let me pull these up here now. Let's get into a little bit about sleep. The current theories and research support the focus on sleep being essential for our nervous system. Our nervous system is the link between us and the environment around us. It's specialized cells, such as neurons, send information to our brain so that we can act and react to what is going on around us. The nervous system is comprised of our brain and all the nerves that run through our body, of course. It is intimately tied to our five senses, to our digestion, and to our immunity. And these are all critical factors of our, um, of our organism and of ourself. Sleep helps neurons and the associated chemistry, the neuronal biochemistry, such as neurotransmitters, which are GABA, serotonin, and dopamine, to regenerate. Most of this activity is going on in the brain, so you need sleep because your brain needs to regenerate. Memory, learning, and social processes are cycled and rejuvenated during sleep. Sleep enables the brain to encode new information and store it properly. REM sleep, now REM stands for uh, rapid eye movement sleep. It's one of the stages, I guess the four stages of sleep. Uh, REM sleep activates parts of the brain that control learning. So people that sleep actually have better learning um, capabilities. In addition, the nervous, digestive, and immune systems are are increasingly being viewed in a more holistic sense, meaning they're more viewed now as one system. This, again, the problem with you know, mainstream medicine or allopathy is that it tends to segment or you know, disconnect um, systems, whereas a more holistic sense, and this is what the science is showing again, is that it really is one system. So sleep is also essential for optimal digestive, digestive and immune function. Name any problem you might have, and chances are it's related to one of these three systems, the nervous, the digestive, and the immune system. So you can see here how sleep can be a factor in practically every single health condition, both mental and physical, that you have. Sleep is where two of our body's most important survival hormones, melatonin and growth hormone, are released. Now, melatonin is the anti-cancer hormone. Vitamin D, of course, is an anti-cancer hormone, but you are largely dependent on exogenous sources of vitamin D. Sun exposure, for example, or taking vitamin D in, um, you know, I mean, I guess typically we, we used to have liver, which is very rich in vitamin D, but besides the sun, uh, you know, I guess now we have to supplement with vitamin D. But melatonin is probably the most important anti-cancer hormone that you get. And you only get one chance a night to get your dose of melatonin because you know what? You can't make up for it. You can't actually get double the dose the next night by going to bed early. So every night you actually want to get a healthy dose of melatonin for a lot of reasons. It's a critical antioxidant. Um, I think Life Extension just came out with a melatonin cream because it actually helps skin and rejuvenate skin and all that kind of stuff. So that's another example of how important it is in, uh, in looking healthy. Uh, melatonin is released by the pineal gland during sleep and ha- helps regulate the process by which cancer cells die. By turning on a gene called P53, melatonin helps keep our body cancer-free. 
Now, of course, this P53 gene is, is what triggers apoptosis. Now, when a cell becomes cancerous, um, you know, apoptosis is triggered, and that's why, even though we generate dysfunctional cells all the time, um, you know, having melatonin, healthy melatonin levels will help to regulate and control uh, these erroneous cells from turning into cancer. So the second important hormone, of course, is growth hormone. And um, I think everybody here probably knows about that one, of course. It's, uh, it's really critical for anti-aging. Um, it, it does a lot of really ama- amazing things. And of course, you know, sleep is really when you get your major growth hormone spurt. Now, you also get some released uh, during exercise, especially if you work out on a fasted state. We got to get into uh, the whole idea of fasting again and training on a fasted state because there definitely has been a, a large segment of the bodybuilding or athletic community that is really turning into this. And I've gotten a few requests on that too, but I am a proponent. I do do cardio in the morning fasted, or now that I'm back in the gym again, I'm trying to do um, my exercise in the gym in the morning too, fasted. Uh, I'll take about five grams of BCAAs and maybe uh, two or three grams of TMG, trimethylglycine, and two or three grams of taurine, along with maybe three grams of L-carnitine, L-tartrate for those androgen receptors. So, you know, I'm looking at maybe, what, 10, 12 grams total of amino acids. But, um, you know, I'm pretty much in a fastest state, and I do think that you get a really good spurt of growth hormone there as well. But definitely men in particular tend to get their biggest spurt of growth hormone at night when they go to sleep. So again, this is critical for men as to why you need um, good restful sleep, deep restful sleep. That's another thing too. As men age, as people age, they tend not to go into the deeper stages of sleep. And so they tend to you know, sleep less, but also not uh, feel as or not be as recuperated, which of course increases all those deleterious hormones like cortisol, uh, increases probably the total body load as far as oxidative stress, the body's ability to detox. I mean, when you sleep, you're actually, I think, enhancing what's called a phase two liver detox. So if you're not sleeping, you're not getting that. And again, this is part and parcel of the aging process itself. This is part and parcel of why people age. You know, I mean, aging is not just chronological. It's, I think, actually more so biological. I really think that it's our lifestyle and, and, the, and how we live that determines um, how fast we actually age. So contrary to popular belief, you cannot catch up on sleep by sleeping extra on the weekends. Um, Also, it seems like, I forgot what the average numbers were, but back in the early 19th century, people were getting about nine hours of sleep. Now, the current average is somewhere around six and a half to seven. So that's part of modern living. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, definitely challenging for us. I think when the sun goes down and we have artificial lighting, it does help to keep us awake longer. So we're more productive, but there's a steep cost for that. You know, this whole idea of being productive and having an economy that is like, I mean, growing at, at, at almost in a, in, a, in, a, in a cancerous sense. I mean, there's something really cancerous about our economy. I mean, I think everyone, no matter how dumb or not clued in you are from watching Jersey Shore, uh, you have to realize there's something really bad going on out here, man. And I think that our, our current economic system, um, in some sense, is very dysfunctional about, you know, how do you maximize productivity? You know, it's like productivity at all costs, you know, and people are wired on Starbucks and Red Bull by day. And then they're like, you know, hooked on alcohol and, uh, and barbiturates and all kinds of stuff at night to come down again because of the pressure uh, to fit in and to keep up with the Joneses. And so one thing that people lose out on, of course, is sleep. And uh, it really is uh, critical and very important and very damaging to, uh, 
you know, to give up. Now, a couple of things too I want to mention about sleep is that eating before bed inhibits phase two liver detox. Phase one liver detox includes filtering and the cytochrome P450 enzymes. Phase two involves conjugation. Phase two liver detox conjugation is where various enzymes in the liver attach protective compounds to toxins. This either neutralizes the toxin or makes the toxin more easily excreted. Phase one and phase two work together so that both need to be working properly. So proper liver detox is critical for the prevention of cancers. This is why I think you really got to be careful about how much you eat before you go to bed. I know if you're an active athlete and you want to recuperate, you're not getting all the calories in or you want to put on weight. Um, you know, I know Dave used to eat. I think Dave said uh, one of his uh, forum threads there how he'd eat before he went to bed. He'd wake up at like two o'clock in the morning to eat and then at five o'clock to eat as well. You know, again, it's great to put on muscle, but it definitely is costing the health, your health, an awful lot. So, I'd say be careful with that. I think actually maybe a better route to prevent uh, nighttime catabolism might be to take just some branched-chain amino acids. Again, maybe like, you know, three to five grams of taurine, which actually does, uh, you know, promote GABAergic function in the brain, which can promote sleep is really good. Uh, maybe five grams of BCAAs again to, uh, you know, again, it may not, you may not get as much benefit as having high calories, but I think it's a good balance as far as hoping to stave off muscle catabolism while also allowing, I mean, Dana said it on one of the shows. Again, you know, if you want to see the shows with the science behind uh, supplements and, and thyroid function and amino acids, Dana Hauser shows, we have two or three of them on the, uh, on the archives here. He was saying that, you know, you want to respect cycles of life. You want to respect the catabolic stage of of, uh, of the twenty four hour cycle, basically, you know, and, and I guess yeah, I think Dana's right on the money because I would say just as the planet cools down um, and goes into dark and kind of goes to sleep, and various functions are you know various recuperative functions are actually going on in the ecosystem again back to the original concept earlier in the show of a healthy ecosystem, these cycles of life, you too want to respect and honor. The, the darkness in a sense, right? You want to kind of make sure you're getting good quality sleep. Uh, you want to make sure that your room is dark because believe it or not, something as simple as having a little bit of light can actually inhibit the, um, the pineal gland from excreting uh, the maximum amount of melatonin. So you really want to make sure you have uh, you know, a nice dark room. Uh, I think quiet is important too. You don't want to have a lot of noise. That tends to disrupt uh, the brain. I think the TV's got to be off, of course. And a big thing I'm a big fan of is you want to have no electrical appliances around you. Now, again, I didn't put this on my top 10. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly how much of an issue it really is, but there is some controversy about EMFs, electromagnetic fields. So in the meantime, just like there's some controversy about soy, so in the meantime, I say avoid soy. I think in the meantime, avoid having prolonged exposure, if you can, to EMFs. So I have the uh, outlets near my bed are all grounded. You know, they're all basically, uh, you know, I undid them and, and tie the wires together basically. And I have no cell phones and no clocks, um, probably within like 10 feet of where I'm sleeping. So that may be something you may want to consider doing. Now, also sleep, good sleep elevates leptin. That's another critical thing, actually. And of course, leptin um, is one of those hormones that affects appetite and hunger. Um, ghrelin is another hormone that affects um, appetite and hunger too. Now, leptin is a hormone produced by fat cells and it tells the brain energy levels are high. So appetite is suppressed, 
ghrelin is a hormone made in the stomach that stimulates hunger and appetite. So eating a meal actually suppresses ghrelin and increases leptin, thereby suppressing hunger. Recent evidence suggests that losing sleep causes subjects to become more hungry and eat more by elevating ghrelin and decreasing leptin. So it's not really an ideal situation for losing uh, weight, of course. Now, other hormones are also affected by sleep. Of course, we all know the number one catabolic hormone is cortisol. That's been called the death hormone by, uh, by Dr. Nicholas Perricone. Now, again, cortisol does serve a lot of really good healthy functions uh, in the body, but you don't want to have elevated cortisol. And not getting good sleep can actually elevate cortisol. Um, what else here now, too? To make matters worse, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, is a hormone released by the pituitary to control thyroid output and metabolism, and it's reduced by sleep deprivation. So again, it shows you that uh, you know sleep is really critical. Many men snore and actually think it's normal, but it may be an indication of low testosterone levels. Sleep apnea is a respiratory disorder that affects between 4 to 10% of adult males. Its most common manifestation is loud snoring, and it may occur several hundred times throughout the night, resulting in sleep fragmentation and excessive daytime sleepiness. A recent study found that nearly half the subjects who suffered from severe sleep apnea also secreted abnormally low levels of testosterone throughout the night. So there you go. Another pretty important issue to be aware of as far as sleep is concerned. And that brings us to our top two of the top 10 toxins. Now, number two, again, is something probably people know a lot about, but uh, this is definitely something that has to be discussed is fats. Toxic fats are, without a doubt, an extremely dangerous thing. People are out there worried about, you know, how much fat in their diet, um, or you know, all kinds of stuff when they're shopping and everything, and, or maybe even even eating organic as an example. But you know what? If you got the wrong kinds of fats, if you got like baked cookies with trans fats in them, or you know, adulterated fats, uh, I'm sorry, you know what? Those are still highly toxic. So I think fats are really critical because cell membrane, again, the cell membrane really is the center of your cell, which makes up, of course, your entire body. And it's the interface between the environment and yourself, right? Your cell, yourself, the cell membrane really is where all that stuff's going on. And it has a layer of fat and you need to have both um, stable, saturated fats, which are stable and give it structure, but you also need to have unstable fats that help to facilitate receptor function and all that kind of stuff. And those are the omega-3, of course, fats. And so I think an issue here that far too many people are, are not really aware of or concerned about is just how toxic their diet is because of the excessive amount of um, not only like, you know, adulterated fats, um, but also, you know, high amounts of omega-6 and omega-9. I mean, I believe there seems to be a consensus out there that, you know, we normally, uh, our anthropological, the anthropological evidence shows we normally, uh, you know, thrived in an environment where our ratios of three to six or three to six and nine was somewhere around a one to two or a one to four ratio, I guess. So, you know, probably 10 grams of fat, you're looking at like two to five grams or two to four grams of that were probably like omega threes, you know, somewhere around there. It was a pretty high percentage. Um, but now, of course, those ratios have been skewed to where they're like 30, 40, 50 to one. You know, I mean, um, you know, I know that it seems like people can survive and, and do quite well with as little as three to six grams of uh, omega-3 fats per day. But um, I think that the, 
you know, copious quantities of toxic fats. Um, again, I guess maybe six and nine aren't as bad as um, fats that have been heated. I mean, I think fats that are unstable and highly reactive are good in your body, but when you're putting them out and you're exposing them to light or oxygen or, or heat, especially when you cook them, you know, they're forming all types of, um, you know, exogenous compounds. Um, I think there's a book out there called um, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill by Udo Erasmus. And he talks about that actually, that that really is a, a major health threat or all these adulterated fats or these, you know, trans fats and, and things beyond trans fats even actually, uh, dimerized fats or whatever that, um, you know, f- really having healthy fats and watching the intake uh, of your fats and, and what you're uh, consuming is, is critical. Um, I think that, you know, low temperature cooking of fats is probably an important thing. Um, you know, definitely you just got to be careful of that and make sure that you are consuming good quantities, significant quantities of omega-3s. You know, I think even eating wild salmon while it's great cooks, I mean, you know, farm salmon, of course, is, is really unhealthy and uh, there's no need to have farm salmon in your diet. You're not really getting too much out of that. But even if you are consuming wild salmon and it's legitimate wild salmon, I think you need to be careful about how much you're cooking it because I think omega-3 fats, um, you know, I want to Google this myself and find out, but I wonder how stable they are when they're being cooked or baked or fried as an example. So that brings us to the number one toxin that we here have perceived to be uh, the major health threat, and that is sugar. Yes, sugar is the number one toxic substance that people are exposed to uh, for many reasons, of course. Uh, again, it goes, kind of goes back to the whole empty calorie theory that you know, sugar is um, you know, a, a, an empty calorie for the most part. I think that even something uh, like fruits have been, uh, you know, genetically modified. I mean, not modified as far as in the laboratory, but through selective breeding had modified to have a lot of sugar. Uh, I think apples and other types of fruits back in our ancestral environments were not as high in sugar as they are today. And so we really are exposed to a lot more sugar which is not only uh, em- an empty calorie in a sense, but it also causes things like glycation, glycation of proteins. So you have all types of proteins in your body from your heart tissue uh, to uh, you know, your GI tract to, to muscle that can be exposed uh, to uh, your skin, to collagen, for example, too, can be exposed to the effects of sugar by uh, having proteins become glycated. And of course, in sugar, I mean, with sugar in the skin causing glycation, you get cross-linking of the collagen fibers and they collapse and you get a wrinkle. So you can actually see that on people um, by how much uh, wrinkles they have, how old they look. And uh, again, I mean, it's been pretty amazing how someone takes good care of themselves and is very health conscious. They can be 50, 60 years old and look like 20 or 30 years younger because of the amount of glycation going on, because of the amount of exposure to these various toxins. So sugar, definitely something you want to get out of your diet. I think, uh, you know, avoiding the chemical sweeteners uh, would be something because of the controversy again and going with something like Lohan or Stevia uh, as a healthier way to substitute. I think even sugar alcohols like xylitol are actually healthier and those you can use in baking and they are lower glycemic and probably I think lower so lower potential for causing glycation. So you may want to look at some of those sugar alcohols like, uh, you know, xylitol and maltol as well. But definitely sugar is something to be concerned about. So that is the top 10 toxins on quantum physiques. And I want to, once again, thank everybody for tuning in. Again, please show some support for Jeff and I and like us on the quantum physiques 
page on Facebook. Now, again, it's not the quantum physics page, which is another pretty popular page out there on Facebook. It's the quantum physiques. Now, I'm sure our listeners can spell that, so I don't need to go there. But also, anybody who wants a free sample of my stress and anxiety reducer, or if you just want to spread some holiday cheer, this product can do the same thing. So by all means, go to rxstress.com and request your free sample of Gabatrol. And this is Brian Cunningham for Quantum Physiques tuning out. Until next week, thanks for tuning in on rxmuscle.com. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every week.